Hello, and welcome to the Space Coast Pet Podcast, the podcast for pets and the people who love them. Now, here's your host, veterinarian Dr. Roger Welton. Hello, pet lovers, and welcome to the Space Coast Pet Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Roger Welton, aka Dr. Roger, practicing veterinarian, coming to you from the Florida Space Coast, also coming to you from my new hosting platform. I'm so excited to finally have fully migrated over to Spotify. Uh, we, it's a gradual process. We have episodes going back to 2009 that uh, we didn't want to lose any of those archived episodes, but at the same time, we didn't want to lose any of our longtime listeners that go back that far. So uh, we are fully migrated all as well. Not to worry, though, if you are if you listen through Apple Podcasts or you listen through syndication at my blog, webbvm.net, uh, not to worry. The, those, those streaming services have uh, gotten the updated Spotify feed, so it should be seamless. I would say just in case, though, go ahead and Google Space Coast Pet Podcast Spotify. Click on the show page link. It should be the first in the listings there <clears throat> with that search, and just go ahead and click follow on Spotify, and that way, just in case anything weird happens, you are still perfectly fine and are getting updated episodes. But the new Spotify platform, uh, it just offers a lot of bells and whistles. The interface is great. We can uh, really uh, do some cool stuff with listener engagement. I think it's going to grow the audience as well as help us get our message out there and get the listeners uh, more interactive with the show. So, for example, uh, we just posted a poll. The poll is which species is your preference for uh, ha having a pet, dogs or cats? Basically, what do you like better, dogs or cats? The debate goes on. There's cat people, there's dog people, then there's me that are everything people. I love dogs and cats. Um, they're both different to me. I, I don't expect a, a cat to be a little dog. I don't expect a dog to be anything like a cat. And they're just different. And they're wonderful in their own ways. But I'd like to see what my audience thinks. And we'll, uh, we'll announce the results of that poll next episode. So please go ahead and engage with that on my show page at Spotify. We uh, have a topic today basically about giving dogs and cats the right time of day. We're going to jump into that right after we... Uh, go over this awesome email I got from apparently a longtime listener in response to my top breeder myths episodes. And this owner happens to be a breeder. So I'm very impressed and very, you're very brave to, uh, to come forth after I uh, don't necessarily say the kindest things about breeders, but, but you're a good one. I believe I, your, your name is pronounced Marlis. I hope I'm doing that right. It's M-A-R-L-Y-S, very unique name. If I'm mispronouncing, I apologize, but let's go ahead and jump right into your email. Hello, Dr. Roger, longtime listener. I'm also a longtime vet tech, 30 years, and a breeder. And next to that sentence is a sideways smiley face emoji, by the way. I like to think I'm not a dumb breeder. I never give vet recommendations to my puppy people. Vaccines and altering are left up to each owner in their situation. My puppies actually see a vet and get their first vaccine at that visit and have also seen neurology for their bear testing. That's an acronym, by the way, uh, B-A-E-R, before leaving. <clears throat> My breeding dogs, which are very few, have hips, shoulders, patellas, elbows, eyes, 
hearing and DNA breed specific health testing done. I do not breed for confirmation, but for working slash sporting. The breed is Border Collies. I will say I do prefer to wait on altering my dogs until after maturity. A lot of us that do working and sporting events with our dogs or many, many breeds also feel this way. To a lot of us, it makes sense. Hormones are present for many reasons and they have many effects on the body like muscle development. In a lot of breeds, you can easily spot an early neutered male easily. The bone and muscle development just isn't there. This seems to make sense that for dogs doing performance events, having bone and muscle development is optimal. There is a research paper that was done by UC Davis folks that gives a table of their recommendations on age to spay and neuter various breeds, not just Goldens and German Shepherd dogs. This is a table a lot of people use when making their decision. I could send the link if desired. <clears throat> Excuse me. I personally have not much trouble at all with behavior with my intact dogs, specifically the boys. But I realize that the run-of-the-mill pet client does or will, and it can be too late once they let their vet know. I also know that there are too many irresponsible owners that when it comes to keeping intact dogs from breeding. So I agree that for many owners, your stated age of six months is probably ideal. Just don't negate the performance owners you might see. We do prefer to wait. I would like to see vets educate owners of people that are not, aren't willing to alter as far as checking mammary chains monthly, what to look for as far as PIO is concerned, and checking prostates on intact males. I've taken intact males to many different vets over my life and rarely has one ever mentioned checking the prostate. I think this should be standard for the boys and an added charge I'd be willing to pay as well. Clients can then refuse, of course, but at least they would know that this is a thing that should be done. Thank you for covering so many topics. We agree on most everything, and I too see so many dumb breeders and the laughable papers puppy buyers get. It can be good for some much-needed comic relief. Keep up the good work. Marlis LVT, and hopefully not a dumb, all capitals, breeder. <laughs> no, Marlis, you are not a dumb breeder. You are an LVT, which is a licensed veterinary technician, for those of you that don't know. I'm guessing you're probably from New York, because... Uh, here in Florida, they're called CVTs, Certified Variant Technicians. In New Jersey, where I'm from, they're RVTs, Registered Variant Technicians. The only LVT I'm aware of um, certification, Licensed Variant Technician, as far as I know, is New York. But maybe I'm wrong. Uh, but at any rate, no. That, that gives you a lot of street cred because uh, you are an educated, um, very experienced healthcare provider. You're doing everything right likely as the result of all of that training. You probably, you clearly have um, you know, high ethics as it comes to uh, doing breeding properly and bettering the breed. So I applaud you in every way. I just want to say bravo. And folks, there are breeders out there like her um, that, that do everything right. Um, and also understand that there's no, there's, there's no, I guess, black and white answer to every situation. I want to get into that in just a moment. But, um, you know, unfortunately, the moralists of the world are like the top, like, 1% at best. And most everything else out there is not to this standard. So find people like her. If you're in the market for a pure breed, there's nothing wrong with wanting a pure breed. She does border collies. Border collies are amazing uh, herding animals that can perform and do these great agility events. Um, I, I do have clients that, that do agility. And, and to your point, Marlis, 
most of them do wait uh, until well after 14 months of age to to alter, and that's okay. As we talked about, uh, the studies do suggest a slight uptick in hip dysplasia, slight uptick in craniocruciate ligament tears. And uh, by the way, I would be delighted if you can send me that link that you talked about. I'm not privy to that table. I would love to take a look at it. You know, I, I do have the humility to know that even though I'm a licensed and very experienced veterinarian, I don't know everything. New information is coming at us constantly. You do the continuing education. You you read the journal of the AVMA articles, but you know you can't do it all and at the same time carry your caseload. So the more folks like you to po can point out to me that I can expand my uh, base knowledge to better educate everybody, the better we all are. Uh, uh, you know, in the end, um, as far as doing the screening for intact animals. Great point as well. My uh, philosophy is any dog eight years or older that is intact gets a prostate exam, unless they're fractious. That can be challenging. But if they're not fractious, I don't even charge extra for it. It takes all of three to five seconds to check the prostate, make sure it's not enlarged. The consequence of a big prostate is that they can start to strain to defecate and they can uh, create a what's called a perineal hernia, where you see this big outpooching of herniated uh, abdominal structures like intestine, prostate, even the urinary bladder, uh, you know, sticking out the back of the butt, and it requires surgery to fix it. So you want to catch those big prostates early on, so you can neuter those dogs at that point and shrink that sucker down before it's causing a perineal hernia. Feeling mammary chains. We know that one in five intact female dogs will develop mammary cancer. So. Early detection is key there. Feeling, you know, they don't have two memories like people do. They have 10. So feel them regularly. And also looking out for signs. She called it pyo, which she's referring to as pyometra. Pyometra is an intrauterine infection that can develop uh, within the uh, uterine structures of intact, usually older female dogs. And uh, the, the signs of that is usually there's a discharge a mix of blood and pus coming from the vagina and also these dogs are usually very lethargic and for some reason drink copious amounts of water so yes all great inf information um really good really good points and uh, i do i do respect this email and I, I really thank you for it uh also having the courage to uh to come out when again i haven't been uh, very kind to breeders, but but please know I'm not referring to people like you. I, I love people like you. It's it's the 99% of idiots that are out there that are just causing all these problems. So let's jump into our topic. So what is the right time of day? So what I'm re referring to is when are our dogs and cats by their nature most active, right? So we have diurnal species of animals, which are most active in the height of the day. Um, so the uh, perfect example of a diurnal animal, that's us. We're, we're by nature diurnal, although I believe I got my wires crossed. I'm actually, I feel like I could be nocturnal. Um, my eyes just open up wide at night and I, I struggled with insomnia all of my life since I was a child. Um, but for the vast majority of normal people, it is normal to go to sleep at night and then be active during the day. And that's when most of us go to work and whatnot. Then you have your nocturnal species, so that would be uh, raccoons, uh, most uh, types of foxes, owls, um, hence the term night owl. Uh, there are some of uh, the, the big cats that are out there, like leopards that are nocturnal. The gray wolf, believe it or not, 
is nocturnal. Dogs are not, by the way, we'll get to that in a moment, but more proof that dogs are not wolves because the gray wolf is the closest relative to the domestic dog, and yet dogs are not nocturnal. Uh, sugar gliders are nocturnal. Bats are nocturnal. Uh, there's a few examples out there, but uh, cats and dogs are actually what are called crepuscular animals. So their main activity is going to be uh, around the hours of dusk and around the hours of dawn. So, you know, right when the sun's, not right when, but around when the sun's coming up is when they're going to want to be the most active. And around when the sun is going down, they're going to want to be the most active. In, in their natural state, if they were left to their own volition, <laughs> they would actually sleep the day away. So folks, when we get up and, you know, have to go to work and we see their pitiful little faces looking at us like, please don't leave, don't leave, and you feel terrible, don't feel guilty. The daytime is not really their most active period by nature. Um, certainly they can adapt it to being active during the day. Uh, yeah, I'm going to round up my dogs and take them out on a boat day. And they're going to be out on the boat with me loving life, especially my Labrador Retriever, Nacho. Uh, that's his happy place. And yeah, they're going to have fun and they're going to adapt. So none of this is set in stone, of course, especially for domestic animals that they're just so much more adaptive. Um, but generally speaking, if we could spend a nice amount of time with them, you know, around the morning and a nice amount of time with them around, you know, the, the, the early evening and make sure we get them plenty of physical activity, give them all of our undivided attention during those times, you know, just try to, try to really focus on that. Make that a big priority. Don't feel guilty, but do understand their nature. So like for me, I, uh, although it's not in my nature to do this, I, I get up really early because I have to train every day. That's my Prozac. I also compete in triathlons and I just can't work out during the day because my clinic is so busy. And then at the end of the day, I often have activities with my kids that I have to get them to, or I'm just flat out exhausted and I have no motivation to jump on a bike or lift weights or do anything like that. So I'm up at 5 a.m. And um, generally my workout's going to be 45 minutes and I shower up and, you know, around 6, 6, 15, I'm rounding up the dogs. I'm taking them for a walk, feeding them, of course. Um, that's, you know, the, one of their favorite things to do. I'm a big proponent of feeding dogs two times a day. I, unfortunately, folks, don't have the, the wonderful experience of having a cat currently. I've had cats most of my life. I love cats. But... Um, I adopted a wonderful mutt named Alvin, who is an incredible dog, but one of his one of his few downfalls is that he's got an extraordinary prey drive, and um, I just worry that a cat would not survive in this home with Alvin around. <laughs> so um, I don't currently have uh, cats. So, but with my dogs, I am making sure that you know for those those. Two and a half hours in the morning and like three hours uh, in in the early evening when I get home, I'm really engaging with them because I know those are the times when they are by their nature most active and they really could not care less necessarily if um, you know they're at home alone during the day. Uh, it's funny sometimes I'll come home and they're they're in such a deep sleep on the couch if I pop home unexpectedly for lunch. They don't even hear me come through the door. They're so flat out and sleeping on the couch and doing what comes naturally to them. 
So, you know, just understand that. Uh, and again, back to the guilt. Don't feel guilty. You have to go to work. We have to do that. And, you know, that, that, that's life. So um, one of the things I, I do do with my dogs is they go to day, a daycare twice a week. The daycare, it's really cool. It's called Dogtopia. It's literally, they're literally my neighbor in the strip mall where my clinic is. And what they do is a really cool thing is they'll have the dogs really active, you know, kind of in their, in their common area playing. Um, but they do give them a, a period of 90 minutes in the middle of the day where there's downtime. So they give them, they put them in their individual kennels and they turn the lights down because they are understanding the nature of, of dogs is that they're, they are crepuscular. And, and so to be nonstop active all day long is actually not in their best interests. Um, so they do give them that downtime, they dim the lights and, and they relax and they give, they give them a little snack. It's the cutest thing. It's like nap time at preschool. But, um, always understand that too as well. Like the, the better dog daycares out there, uh, like Houndstown and, and Dogtopia, uh, really understand dogs and their, their, their processes are great. And, and so by doing what they're doing, they are understanding the crepuscular nature of our, our canines. And the same goes for cats. You know, a lot of us think that cats are nocturnal. They're not. They're by their nature crepuscular as well. And, uh, you know, just know that, you know, you come you, again, you're, you're, you're up in the morning, you go ahead and feed them, j- jiggle around that laser pointer, engage with them in any way you can, make sure they get that, that human contact and, and exercise. And the same thing when you get home. Um, and most of us aren't really walking our cats because, you know, try, try putting a cat on a leash. There are some people that manage it. I don't know how that miracle happens. I literally have a client that walks his cat in on a leash like it's a freaking dog. I I, I don't know how he did it, but um, it, it's extraordinary. I've, I've never seen anything like it. But uh, no, generally we're not throwing them on a leash and walking them. But there's other ways to exercise cats. And most certainly, just just play with them and give them your attention. So next time you have to go to work, don't feel guilty. Um, However, make sure around dusk and around dawn, you're giving them as much love, attention, and exercise as you possibly can. That's my show for today. Thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, Marlis, thank you very much for your email. Please participate in that poll I am so uh, excited to have this new listener engagement with our new platform and uh, can't wait to see the results of it. We'll announce that at the next episode. Have a great rest of your day, everybody.